I'm Tracy. I'm April. And, and this, this is Killer's we start our intro april always has to say you're tracy <laughs> like i would forget don't forget you're tracy I, I might actually forget that i maybe because i have to go first <laughs> i go you're tracy and like i don't know two times ago she's like yeah what the fuck <laughs> i know i know but then sometimes she'll start and then she'll but then i'm like i'm just reminding you to say it first yeah i know. You say it first but this time it, it just made me laugh because i've had a few cocktails already and it's like that one's gonna be funny wait i'm tracy <laughs> Like, should we go back and listen to it? Because I think it's going to be pretty hilarious. I don't know. We might just keep it in and it's just Oh, we're keeping being... it in. I'm not <laughs> okay. redoing it. We're oh, already okay. flowing. The bips and bops are moving and grooving. Well, this so. is episode 10, so we've Welcome just lost our minds. 10. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. We're just a it little... It is what it is. What's the word they use? Punchy? Sure. A little punchy? Yeah. I mean... Something... Would you describe us as punchy? I don't know. It's just a word they use when like people get wackadoo. Oh. Wackadoodle do. Like deluge. Deluge? <laughs> Delusional? Did you just make a word up? We're just a little bit deluge today. <laughs> yeah. I have to tell you, though, by the. <laughs> That's like my shortened version of delusional. I'm just feeling kind of deluge today. Deluge. You know, just the huge feeling deluge. <laughs> No big deal. Okay, I'm not going to be able to shoot this podcast okay. today. We need to get it together. Get it together. <laughs> What's happening? Drinking a half a glass of milk and we're off the hook. <laughs> oh my God. We do have milk in our uh, cocktail today. Okay. Let's yeah. talk about our cocktail. Okay. I, I'm actually kind of more enjoying just talking about new words, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's actually talk about our cocktail today. Um, I'm going to sip it and you're going to talk about it. It's fucking delicious it's really good i i yeah we've had a few we've had not a few. of these we had a few a few, few others we had to <laughs> test some things you know you know the testing is it it, it, it takes a toll on you yeah, um in ways that you wouldn't think i feel like at some point maybe we could just hire people to come over and taste cocktails with us i mean eric's in the garage and he he'd do it for free did it for free <laughs> That's I true. made him a third cocktail and he loved it. What so. a fun job, though. Like, I'm a cocktail taster and I get paid to do this on the weekends. Oh, that's a non-job. People would think that you're a criminal. That's probably true. They'd be like, it's a front. Oh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you sell children to other people. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that escalated I, quickly. I taste cocktails. Okay, yeah. Oh, you're a bank robber. <laughs> that's cool. It's All a right. front. Go ahead. It's like being a secret shopper. Mm. When I worked at the grocery store, we did have secret she- <laughs> shoppers. Secret shoppers. We did have them. But like, what do they do the rest of the day? Oh, yeah. they have other jobs. This is just their side job. Oh. Yeah. So they just, you know, on the weekends or, you know, on the evenings or whatever. I feel like everybody's a secret shopper now with or re- Yelp well, and yeah. social media and shit. Like, but retired people would do it. And so you never know. 
then they write in their review and they could be like that courtesy clerk though do they even call them courtesy clerks anymore okay they're baggers yeah i was a bagger for many years um and then i was a deli girl it was great i loved it cutest deli girl in the west i actually love that job and sometimes i miss that job because i'm like that was those were the fucking days i miss my coffee shop job yeah yeah but they would write in and they could be like that courtesy tracy treated me really well or did not or packed my stuff really badly so they would actually you would get scored on that stuff it was important secret shoppers are the shit i thought it was a fake job no it's real they get paid get paid (laughs) um okay so i'm going to talk about this recipe this cocktail is called scrooge because we are going full christmas today oh yeah and this is part one of a two-part series so stay tuned for the next one so you're doing two cocktails for two parts Oh, I have no problem with that. Oh, wow. This is exciting. I don't know what the next one's going to be, or if I should use the same main liquor that I did in this one. Oh, good I point. could just go full Christmas. I really love... Oh, I think we should do another Christmas cocktail. Yeah. I really love a peppermint white Russian. Ooh. Peppermint white Russian is my favorite Christmas drink. I think drink. we should do something eggnoggy or pepperminty. I do have eggnog. We mm-hmm. could do that. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll test. And I sent you that picture the other day. They actually do make an eggnog vodka. Yeah, that seems weird. It seems weird, but I it's wonder not about creamy. it. Because creamy. No, it just looks like a regular looks vanilla like vodka. vodka or yeah. regular vodka. Yeah. I mean, it's probably bomb. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of want to try it just because I want to try everything now. I want like the little, they need little bottles of it. I, don't want I know. Whole, what are you going to do with a whole bottle of eggnog vodka? I don't know. It would probably last for 10 years of your life. <laughs> yeah, well, because people that come over to your house and you make them a cocktail, they're like, oh, I'm making an eggnog cocktail. Most people are going to be like, what the fuck? No, I want an eggnog cocktail. I would never say no to an eggnog cocktail. I know, but you're not everybody. That's true. Most I'm people not. just want like Coors Light. Are you saying I'm not every woman? No. <laughs> we are not regular people. Okay. This cocktail called Scrooge has... Two ounces of peanut butter screwball whiskey. Mm. Now, the bottle that I bought at BevMo was literally the last one. It's of screwball. It's very popular now. It's very popular. There are other brands that you can buy. They probably all taste the same. No. That's a lie. I bet that they do. They don't. Are you sure? No, the screwball tastes the best. Have you tried them? I have tried one other. What? But listen... It tastes really good even by itself. And I don't even like whiskey and I will drink this. Well, I know you feel the opposite. Blah, it's blah, not blah. my fave. This okay. cocktail is really good. I just like regular whiskey. Oh, but yeah. Because you're a man. That's my own business. <laughs> you're like a man. That's my own business. Um, then That's your own business. So two ounces. <laughs> I can drink whiskey by myself. That's my own business. Actually, nobody get offended. There's a bunch of women that like whiskey. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I didn't mean to offend anyone. I mean, you're only offending me. It's fine. I mean, well, anyone who hears this. And I'm I know, offended. actually, I have tons of friends who are women who love whiskey. I'm. It's just not my favorite. Yeah. It's not everybody's favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, so two ounces of the peanut butter screwball whiskey, half an ounce of creme de cacao, mm. which gives it a little bit of chocolate vibe, a half an ounce of amaretto, which is like an almond cookie vibe. Oh, it's so good. A quarter ounce of heavy whipping cream. And two ounces of whole milk, shaken over ice, poured into a coupe glass. It's got a little bit of foam from the milk and the heavy whipping cream after shaking it, and uh, grated fresh chocolate. So this drink is pretty fucking tasty. I love it. I love the chocolate shaved on the top. 
I love the creaminess of the milk and the creme, cream. It kind of tastes like a peanut butter cup in a glass. Yeah. So when I initially made this recipe, I went like amaretto heavy and creme de cacao heavy. Like I put a lot in there and it was too sweet. We wanted more peanut butter. Yeah. You couldn't taste the peanut butter at all because amaretto is so like strong Mm -hmm. that it just overpowered everything. But I wanted it to be like a peanut butter. Tell them what you made last night. (laughs) Okay. So I made what I was considering a peanut butter and jelly shot. Like a peanut butter and jelly shooter, I guess you would call it. I don't, I feel like I vaguely saw a recipe for this and I happened to get the raspberry, like knockoff Chambord uh, liqueur. Mm -hmm. And so I did in a shooter glass, half of a shooter glass of the peanut butter whiskey and then the other half. Screwball? (laughs) The other half screwball. And I took a shot and it literally hurt my body. <laughs> I know you, you texted me last night. You're like, I just took this and it hurt my body. I'm like, what does this mean? Is like, this I don't know. A good thing or a bad thing? But my face <laughs> and like my whole upper body was like rejecting. It was like, fuck you, bitch. Why would you put this in here? Like, we're not. No. And I baked cookies yesterday. So then I had already eaten like you know, 7,000 cookies. So that was so the problem. The shot on top of it, it was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Your body is revolting. It was really dumb. And then... Did it taste good, though? I mean... Did it taste like peanut butter and jelly, is what I'm asking? Uh, no. It tasted like sweet peanut butter. Okay. Also, I'm dumb, but what's the difference between a shot and a shooter? It's a, So, like a shot, you would take just one liquor. Like a tequila shot or a whiskey shot or... But a shooter, you sip But it? a shooter is like a... No, it's still in a shot glass. Okay. So, like, if you took this and you did, like, maybe a layered shot that had, like, Baileys and something mm-hmm. else in it. Oh, okay. That's a shooter when it's, like, a... Sort of like a condensed cocktail. Oh, okay. You're just taking it in one shot. Oh. So, it's okay. not really, like, doing shots. Because you're, it. like, creating a flavor and there's, like, a palette and balance. It's not just, like, there. here's some fucking tequila. I'm going to shoot it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Well, you tried the peanut butter and jelly, <laughs> but it is good. It does sound interesting. It probably people would like it because later you wrote me and said that you felt warm. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> face was hot. My face is on fire. So, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing. I probably haven't taken shots in five years. So mm. of any kind. So it wasn't like, I think it's been a year for me. I got very ill. Yeah. I guess I take whiskey shots, but that's different. I usually take tequila. If if anyone breaks out tequila and Tracy starts taking shots, we must leave immediately. <laughs> that is when bad things start happening. I definitely have done that. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll take one. It it's do- so good. I don't know what happens. It doesn't just go with one. And then pretty soon, that's that's the end. Like, I'll be drinking wine. Everything's fine. I feel the little bit of buzz. But once the tequila comes out and, and Tracy takes it and, it and is like, sure, I'll do that. It's it is never a good ending. Your liver for me. is like I cannot keep up with you. That will end with with uh, sickness and despair. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I mean, I have never puked from drinking alcohol. Oh, I have ever in my life. So that's good. Not to say that I haven't drank a lot. It's just yeah. that I just never threw up. I usually pass out first. Um, so I, you know, am forced to stop drinking. Oh no. Um. Yeah, oh. I guess I take whiskey shots, but that's it. I haven't taken tequila shots in years. 
All I'm going to say is there was a tacos and tequilas night yeah. in Vegas at the Red Rock Casino All with right. multiple friends. And I went into a stall in the bathroom in the casino and passed out. <laughs> oh, my God. And people had to come in and find me. So, was yeah. Was that the time you lost your purse or the other time you lost your purse? I've lost my purse multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> but the the caveat Not to that. Not trying to call you out. The caveat to that is I never actually lost my purse no. either of those times. I just sent people on a hunt because I was freaking <laughs> out. But the purse was right there. Yeah, you had and the whole time. It was. This is why tequila shots are so, so bad. Yeah, we'll just skip that. <laughs> we'll just skip that for me. So, uh. A little clinky clink. Moving on to the next part. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and it's time for some Christmas murder. Christmas murder. So caveat to this. Well, this is the 12. Well, I said the 12 murders of Christmas, even though there's way more people who die. So it's probably like the 12 massacres of Christmas. But well, Ooh, massacres. Well, I know. But weird. massacres is like, wow, that word, you know. Um, but we'll just keep it the 12 murders of Christmas because it's okay. the 12 murder stories. Um, and I was going to do it all in one episode and realized that the deep dive was so deep and I could not do it all in. Can't do it all in one. So this is why we're doing a two parter, which is actually kind of fun. I think, um, the sad thing is, is there's actually a lot of murders that happened at Christmas or around Christmas, which makes me very sad. It's kind of an emotional time for some people. It is a very emotional time. Um, and I think as you'll see in some of the stories that I'm going to tell, so this is not one full story. This is going to be 12 different stories um that happened around christmas and i didn't really do these in any particular order either oh i thought about doing that but then i thought no i think i'm just gonna jump around and just let the stories tell themselves yeah and that's kind of what i did is there any like is it restricted any time period or place or just no we're going all over just christmas is the only theme we're going all over time period wise and Place-wise. Cool. So that's kind of fun, too. I'm excited to hear it. So just a little bit about my sources. We've got Crime Investigation UK, Curbed LA, which is like, you know, Los Angeles, <clears throat> and Weird Scary Stories, which is kind of a fun sti- site. There is a bunch of weird, scary stories on there. And of course, Murderpedia. So those are just the top ones that I used. So first, we're going to talk about the Covina Massacre. And you might actually remember this one, April. It's Covina in California? Covina is in California. It was Christmas Eve 2008. Sylvia Ortega Pardo was at the home of her parents, Joseph and Alicia Ortega, in Covina, California. So that was that's near that's in L.A., mm-hmm. Los Angeles. Um <clears throat> So she was there for a Christmas Eve celebration. Joseph and Alicia were hosting 25 people that night, and among them were Sylvia's four siblings, James Ortega and his wife, Teresa Ortega, who was 52, Charles Ortega, who was 50, with his wife, Sherry Ortega, who was 45, Alicia Ortiz, 46, her son, Michael Ortiz, who was 17, and Leticia Yusupolsky, and her daughter, Katrina. Which I love the name Katrina. That's so pretty. So Sylvia had just finalized her divorce from Bruce Jeffrey Pardo on December 18th and was actually living with her parents um, after their divorce. Gotcha. Bruce was 45 years old and he worked at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in La Cañada, Flint Ridge. He met Sylvia Pardo previously, Sylvia Orza, in 2004, and they were married. So before he met Sylvia, while he was in his mid-30s, because remember he's 45 now, 
He had a child. Well, he was 45 in 2008. He had a child with his then-girlfriend, Elena Luciano. When their son was just over a year old, Elena left the baby with Bruce while she went grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. And somehow the baby made his way outside into the backyard and went in the pool. Oh, no. And then Bruce found him. How the fuck did a baby get in a pool at one years old? Yeah. So he was not watching baby. Yeah. Okay. So Bruce found the baby unresponsive. The baby was taken to the hospital, which can I just have a little sidebar here? Whenever I'm reading some of these stories, it's always like they were rushed to the hospital or they were raced to the hospital. When you read some of these articles, like, how do you know they were raced? I mean, that is called sensational journalism. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if he was rushed to the, you probably don't know if he was rushed to the hospital. I mean, <clears throat> Why wouldn't they just call 911? I don't know. Well, and at what rate is rushed? Who decides that? Exactly. Yeah, you can talk about like time. So they called at this time and they arrived at the hospital at this time. And we could assume. I don't know. It is very sensational. I just feel like everything I read was like somebody was raced or rushed or it's something. Like that. And it's like, I actually don't know if they raced the baby to the hospital. They may have moseyed to the hospital. He might have waited 15 minutes to call anybody. We don't know. I have actually no idea. I just feel like if you're really that concerned, why didn't you just call 911? But anyway. Oh, he took the baby to the hospital himself? They did, yeah, apparently. The baby was taken to the... Well, the baby was rushed to the hospital. Okay. But I just said taken because who knows what rushed means. Yeah. But the baby got really good care, but he had severe brain damage and will be in a wheelchair the rest of his life i know it's actually really sad so after this incident bruce left his girlfriend and his son and never saw them again oh cool cool isn't that great that's really cool just not watch the baby so he gets hurt and then just leave them yep that's exactly what happened yeah so he went on with his life married sylvia he never told Sylvia about this. Cool. And she had recently found out about his child and that he pretty much abandoned. Right. No, you know? he did literally abandon. He literally abandoned. And I could tell you this did not sit well with her. No. At all. So there are probably many reasons for this divorce, but the thought is that that was a big one. Yeah. That was a big one. So Pardo had also recently lost his job. And he had a big, fat fucking chip on his shoulder. Yeah, no kidding. And being the shitbag that he was, he wanted to hurt somebody, specifically his ex-wife, Sylvia. Which is, of course, typical. By all accounts, he was planning what came next for months. So this was not just a crime of passion. It was not. No, he was planning this. That Christmas Eve, he put on a Santa suit that he purchased in early fall. And showed up to Joseph and Alicia's home at 11 p.m. that night. So they were having their little Christmas Eve celebration. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people stay up. They go. I don't know if they were doing this, but I mean, a lot of people do stay up till midnight to go to midnight mass mm-hmm. or, you know, you're celebrating. It's Christmas it's Eve, normal. right? <clears throat> so eight-year-old Katrina Yuzumpolsky saw him walking up the driveway out a window and said, Santa is here. She answered the door, and he immediately shot her in the face with a 9 millimeter handgun. What the fuck? Yes. He then walked into the home and started shooting. People were running around the house frantically, and many tried to hide under the dining room table. Which, where would you even go, right? Yeah, out the back door. <clears throat> yeah. But, I mean, it's chaos. Yeah. It's complete chaos. 
So he continued his Christmas Eve shooting spree by firing at the Ortega son, James, followed by his brother, Charles. And even after they were shot, they tried to stop him, but they couldn't. Bruce then found 80-year-old Joseph and 70-year-old Alicia hiding under the table and killed them. And then he finally found his ex-wife and her sister, Alicia, and he shot and killed them as well. What a fucking piece of shit. Oh, he's the biggest shitbag on the planet. So the only sibling to escape was Letitia, and she was able to escape the house with her daughter, little, little Katrina, who got shot in the face, who actually survived. Wow. Yeah, she did survive. Um, Letitia ran to a neighbor's house and called 911. A 16-year-old granddaughter of the Ortegas was also shot in the back, but survived. After the shooting, he opened one of the... He, also, he was carrying gift-wrapped packages, okay? So he walks up dressed like Santa. So he's a psycho. He's carrying gift-wrapped packages, and inside one of these packages, he had a homemade flamethrower. Of course. Yes. So he took that out of one of the packages. He doused the first floor of the house in, a, in racing fuel. So I, for some reason, just racing fuel just seems so intense to yeah. me. And he set the house on fire. So Michael Ortez, who was a 17-year-old, was trapped upstairs and was killed, which absolutely crushes my... Like, I have an 8-year-old and a 17-year-old, so this story just crushes my soul so yeah. hard. So it took 80 firefighters and one and a half hours to control the blaze. Oh, my God. It was intense. Yeah. It was intense. <clears throat> so Bruce was burned pretty badly in the fire and that he started and received second and third degree burns on his arms. Good. And the pants of his Santa suit melted. Good. Not good enough, though. Oh. Despite this, he changed his clothes and he had to peel off the pants off of his body Ugh. and portions of the polyester still stayed in his skin. So he, it was like melted into his skin. Yeah. He then drove to his brother's house 30 miles away. And when his brother arrived home later that evening, he found Bruce dead. He had shot himself. So I'm sorry, you fucking coward. Yeah. Which, yes, we will see a theme throughout this. But mm -hmm. so, yeah, he just shot himself, did all that damage and then just shot himself. It just makes me so mad. So later the police found his rental car and it was discovered to have been booby trapped. So it was this was like his final fuck you to everyone. He actually booby trapped. The remnants of the Santa suit rigged with a homemade firebomb. So when authorities went there and tried to, you know, mm. take the stuff out of the car, yeah. the bomb ignited. And when they tried to defuse it and it engulfed the car in flames. But luckily nobody was hurt for that from that incident. But there's like before and after pictures of the car that you can see. It's like, hi, I'm a I'm a rental car. And he just looks totally normal. And then it's just incinerated. I always am like, what makes people do that? Like, what? how do you have so much anger? Narcissism and anger. I mean, because it's all about me. That's what it is, in my opinion. Yeah. But like, does a narcissist shoot himself in the head? Yeah. I guess. They do. Yeah. So an autopsy of Bruce Pardo revealed he tested positive for cocaine when he died, which probably helped amp, amp him up right. obviously yeah um but but doesn't mean anything to me anyway because he had been planning this for months yeah, it wasn't drug induced he didn't no. go get high on cocaine buy a santa suit wrap the gifts no. do the firebomb <laughs> no he didn't, no no it doesn't matter yeah um he also had a ticket for a flight 
on a Canadian airline from L.A. International Airport to Minnesota with a connecting flight to Iowa, where he may have planned on visiting a friend. But police found a map of Mexico in a second vehicle he rented, which indicated to them that he may have also planned on fleeing to Mexico. On the run. Yeah. So I guess he changed his mind. Yeah. So his body was found with $17,000 in cash that was saran wrapped to his legs. What the fuck? Yeah. And concealed inside, like, or, it says, or concealed inside of a girdle that he was wearing. So he was also wearing this girdle that was, like, holding the cash. So I I, I honestly think that he was going there to kill them, do all that shit, and then he was going to leave right after. Yeah. Who knows why he changed his mind? Who knows? Um, he had also added his mother, his own mother, and his ex-wife's divorce attorney to his hit list. He knew his mother had been invited to that Christmas Eve party. Oh, so he's probably hoping to shoot her, too. He wanted to. Yeah, he intended to kill her because he felt she sided with his ex-wife in the divorce. But oh, she actually creep. didn't feel well that night and didn't go. Good. Yeah. In total, Bruce killed nine people and injured three people. And he left as many as 13 children orphaned by that attack that's fucking terrible is that the worst or what yeah so katrina Yuzimpolsky recovered the little girl who got shot mm-hmm. in the face um and i saw a video of her i actually would not even be able to tell that she was shot in the face i mean oh. physically i'm yeah. sure emotionally this has taken such a huge toll on her because um she's gro- basically grown up now in college and she is a staunch supporter of gun control and has protested against gun violence, mm. as as her mother has too. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's there's a lot about that, but that is the story of the Covina massacre. Wow. Yeah. So now, so lock your. F- the whole point of these is lock your fucking door on Christmas. Don't open it for anybody, especially anybody who's dressed like Santa. Yeah, I, in that situation, she probably was excited I and she know. opened the door. But, I mean, he had so much firepower. Do you really think that door would have stopped I him? Know. There's really nothing that could have stopped him. There might have been some things that could have slowed him down. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think anyone would have thought that he would do that. No. You know, it's just horrific. Yeah. So now I would like you to mentally travel with me also in L.A. So we'll just throw that one aside <laughs> on to the next one. This is going to be an emotional roller coaster. It kind of is. There's going to be six of these this yeah. episode. So um, travel with me emotionally. Okay. L.A. as well. Yeah. Back to 1959. Oh, okay. And we're going to talk about the Los Feliz murder-suicide. Have you ever heard of the Los Feliz murder-suicide? I think it's Los Feliz. It is? Oh, it is Los Feliz. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Los Feliz. Los Feliz. <laughs> You're thinking Feliz Navidad. It, well, yeah, exactly. Christmas. Los Feliz Navidad. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Los Feliz. Okay, fine. I'm. If you're right, then look, we're leaving all the shit in. Listen, we're not going back for nothing. I don't edit shit. Okay, <laughs> like if I said it wrong, at least I have someone it's in just the room Los to Feliz. Pers- That's so weird. Have you been there? No, I don't think so. Oh, why isn't it Feliz if it's Feliz Navidad? I don't know. Someone explain it to me, write it and tell me why. I don't know. Well, because, well, Feliz Navidad is Merry Christmas. Yeah. Or Happy Christmas. So is it the happy? Maybe. I don't know. Los Feliz? Yeah. Okay. It's less exciting. Los, Los Feliz. Well, this part's exciting. You okay. ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Los Feliz, 1959. Um, in the early years of the entertainment industry, Las Feliz was the home 
to the original Walt Disney Studios. Did you know that? I did not. It was also the stomping grounds of silent film industry stars like Charlie Chaplin and producer Cecil B. DeMille. Don't know who that is. Yeah. Basically, this was a happening place. Oh, gotcha. It's a wealthy place. Yeah, yeah. Wealthy people live here. They might be able to pronounce it correctly. Lost feeling. But I ain't wealthy, so <laughs> I don't protect I don't protect it. <laughs> I don't pronounce it. <laughs> we don't protect it either. We don't protect it either. So the Perelson family lived in a beautiful Spanish revival mansion, Harold and Lillian with their three children, Judy, Joel, and Debbie. Judy, Joel, and Je- Debbie are like the most 50s names I've ever heard in yeah, my life. Yeah, totally. They really are. So Harold Perelson was a first-generation immigrant born in New York to a Polish father and a Russian mother. He certainly did not grow up with money and affluence. He grew up in a solidly blue-collar family with his three siblings and queens. But he was now an affluent doctor, a cardiologist, and had provided a luxurious life for his wife and his children. So they definitely had money. Dr. Perelson's wealth came from working at a successful private practice, as well as from his job as a cardiology professor at the University of Southern California. Oh, that's fancy. Yeah, he's fancy. According to a 2017 article in LA Weekly, he was also a published author, inventor, and a sought-after keynote speaker. So he had it going on. Yeah, he's somebody. Yeah. Judy Perelson was 17. Born in 1941 and recently graduated from Barrister High School and was working at Huntington Hartford Theater, which is now called, I'm going to probably fuck this name up too. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Montalban. Montalban. Montalban Theater. I'm sure someone somewhere is going to tell me I'm wrong. Um, I've never actually been there. But anyway, she worked at a theater that still is in existence today. It's just called something else. To help out her parents. Uh, Joel was born in 1946, and Debbie was born in 1948. It's always difficult to know what goes on behind closed doors, as we all know. But a friend and neighbor described the children as having a regular presence in the neighborhood, whatever that means. means maybe they were out and about. It's not yeah. like they were like recluses or something weird like that. Yeah. They and, were like friends with people. Yeah, and... they, they had friends, and they knew the neighbors. And Lillian Perelson um, was described as sweet and Dr. Perelson described as mild-mannered, which sounds like such a 50s term, too. What does that mean, he's mild-mannered? They're like the... He doesn't have a temper. Leave it to beavers. Yeah, they kind of were, mm-hmm. with, with like extra money. Yeah. Judy had recently detected a growing tension in the household, however. In a letter to her aunt, Judy wrote of her parents' financial troubles and described it like being, quote, on the merry-go-round, same problems, same worries, only tenfold. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. So a few instances had occurred which really put a strain on this family. The first one is that Dr. Perelson's partner on an invention screwed him out of royalties. Fuck. Dr. Perelson successfully sued him, the partner, but it was a drawn-out legal battle. Um, that cost him a lot of money. Yeah. And I mean, that's really the thing. Like you could take someone to court, but you still have to dish out a bunch of money just to do that. Um, another instance, a second instance that happened was that Judy wrecked the car into another driver, moderately injuring herself. I'm not sure what that means. I don't think they were super injured, but they did get hurt. Her and her siblings were all in the car. 
Dr. Perelson took the other driver to court and he won, but the courts awarded him just a fraction of what he was suing for. Not even enough to recoup his legal expenses. Oh. Yeah. So there was also reports that Dr. Perelson had been hospitalized after heart attacks, but this is unconfirmed. We're not sure. This is kind of chatter. Gotcha. (laughs) Some people even said it might have been a mental breakdown, but again, this could have been neighborhood gossip. Yeah. Because you know I mean, if you go into the hospital and you don't want to talk about it, you just say, oh, I had a heart attack or whatever. Right. I have heart problems. Exactly. Um, But for the most part, from the outside looking in, they look like a, a happy family. Right. You know, just your regular 1959 family. December 6th, 1959 was like any other Sunday night for the Perelsons. They ate dinner, spent time together, got ready for a new week. The family eventually went to bed for the night. At 4.30 a.m., while his family slept, Harold struck his sleeping wife Lillian in the head with a ball-peen hammer, then left her to asphyxiate in her own blood. Fuck. He then went into his teenage daughter Judy's room, where he struck her in the head with the same hammer... But the hit was off because she woke up and actually raised her arm to defend herself. And she started screaming bloody murder, waking the neighbors even with her screams, um, saying, don't kill me, as her father told her to lay still and keep quiet. Sure, I'll lay here while you fucking beat me in the head. Okay, this is so weird because he's a fucking doctor. Like, you have access to so many things that you could just, like inject into your daughter's arm while she's sleeping and then just like that's put in their food or i don't know i mean like you have so many ways to like kill people why would you why a ball peen hammer which that's just it's terrible yes so little debbie heard judy screams and came to her sister's bedroom to find out what's going on yikes because she's like what the fuck yeah what the fuck i'm a little kid apparently lillian didn't make any noise that they that they heard that the kids didn't hear so during this moment when her father was distracted, Judy ran out and escaped out of the house. So according to a Los Angeles Times article written the day after the attack, Dr. Perelson had said to Judy, go back to bed. This is a nightmare. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like your child doesn't know that she's awake. Right. Yeah. But Debbie was a smart little one and yeah. did not return to bed good and instead she gathered up her brother joel and she hid good she hid so she knew some shit this was not normal yeah um the perelson's neighbor recalled waking up to the sound of judy screams judy was actually pounding on their door but they didn't but she didn't get an answer fast enough so she went on to another neighbor's house mm-hmm. marshall ross um and marshall ross not only called the police but climbed the steep steps. Because if you look at a picture of the front of the house, I can post it. There's these steep steps that go up there. He actually went inside the house. Dang. The neighbor did. And he came face to face with Dr. Perelson, who told Ross to leave him alone and go home. Okay. And so Ross was like, bye. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll pre- just be sure to do and that. And I'll just be sure to do that. Yeah. Since you're, already, since you're still here. Yeah. So I don't know what that was like. But yeah. So he went home and they waited for police. Um. Then Dr. Perelson ingested two doses of Nembutal and 31 small white pills believed to be codeine or a powerful tranquilizer. That's what I was talking about. Dr. Perelson. Yeah. But he did it for anybody in the head with a hammer. No, he was so violent. It's just crazy. But anyway, he was dead before police arrived. So he, he killed himself as well. 
so annoying. Coward number two. Yeah. Um, so as he lay dying, a copy of Dante's Inferno sat open on his bedside table. There was a passage highlighted in the book which describes how Dante, I don't know if you've ever read this. I haven't. Okay. Um, uh, it was, uh, the passage describes how Dante strayed from a virtuous life path to one of darkness and confusion. Confusion. The whole book is kind of darkness and confusion, but whatever. Um, so the passage reads, quote, midway upon the journey of our life, I found myself within a forest dark for the straightforward path had been lost. So Dr. Perelson lost his fucking path. Yeah, clearly. It, he clearly lost it. Yeah. So after the murder, Judy, Debbie and Joel went to live with relatives and changed their names. So there's really no more information about them. I'm very happy that they survived. Yeah. I hope they lived wonderful lives, but that is terrifying. It's just horrible. Um, so the house actually sat untouched for over 50 years. Wow. Even though it was sold to a different family. So this family that owned it, they never removed anything and they never lived in the house. That's it was, weird. It was very creep- creepy. Why the fuck would you have it? Yeah. So the, it just sat there unoccupied and untouched. And I think they might have stored things in it. But they didn't take out any of the furniture any or anything. That's very bizarre. Yeah. Over the years, brave souls would try to look in the windows because, I mean, who's not going to? Yeah. Apparently, people used to picnic in the backyard. Like, neighbors caught people picnicking in the backyard. Okay, people. Yeah, you're weirdos. <laughs> it's called trespassing. Yeah. I mean, I would want to see it, too, but not illegally. Um, <laughs> uh so people would try to look in the windows and they would see rooms full of 1950s style furniture, fixtures and appliances. Oh, I thought that was kind of cool. I bet that was cool. I mean, and this was, you know, in the 2000s. Okay. Right. In one room, there was wrapped Christmas gifts, paper and ribbons were scattered on a low slung bench and a 50s era television set in the background. Wow. Yeah. So it was sold in 2016 for a couple cool million bucks right because it's <laughs> yeah. la and everything was finally removed but uh, and it's so funny before i even read this part i was like oh my god why didn't someone take photos of all that before they took everything out well someone did oh that's good because <laughs> i'm like well duh why wouldn't you want to do that so a photographer was able to take photos before everything was removed and they are really eerie I so bet. yeah so all the 1950 stuff furniture clothing typewriter there's some creepy ass dolls in there um, you can actually see them online on Flickr. I think it's called Peace Love Photography. I think that it's interesting that the kids never went back and got any of their stuff. Like they were just like, fuck this. We're out. Yeah. I, we're living I, with family. We'll get new shit. I really feel like the, I think the house was basically sold as is. I don't think anyone removed anything. Huh. Or if they did remove the kids stuff, they didn't talk about that. Isn't that crazy? It's weird. Yeah. So then in... Uh, 2019 it was sold again even though the people who bought it in 2016 were renovating it and in the middle of renovating it they sold it again I mean sometimes you run out of money I, I don't know or why. your situation changes whatever yeah um, and then it was sold again for 3.5 million fuck because they were probably like we can make a shit ton of money on this yeah and I don't really care to look up after that because who yeah. the fuck cares but yeah that was the that was the last that I heard from t- in 2019 what the fuck? But man, I don't know. I just think the stuff inside would have been so cool to see when it was already there still. Yeah. It'd be it like a museum. Like, yeah. It was just kind of like a sta- like a house time capsule. Yeah. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah. But anyway, so Los Feliz 
Los Feliz, Los Filos, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Los Feliz. It's basically where the rich people live in L.A. One it's of the pl- not where we are. One of the rich places. We are in not LA. the rich people in L.A. Whatever, SoCal, L.A. Okay, us we're NorCal. <laughs> <laughs> we're the rich people in NorCal. We are definitely not the rich people no. in NorCal, but it's always. Why don't we call it NoCal, SoCal, NoCal? Why is it NorCal? This is a dumb conversation because only Californians would even understand what we're talking <laughs> Everybody about. Everybody else is like, fuck <laughs> Everyone up. Everyone else is up. like, we don't understand. Because basically, California is two states. California is fucking huge. So we really should be two states. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So now you're going to travel with me to 2014. I could do that. <laughs> but you're yawning. Are you ready to travel? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to Lancaster, Pennsylvania now. Oh, okay. And uh, we're Amish. Well, he's not. Oh, I just know that there's a lot of Amish there. We're going to talk about Dustin Klopp's axe murder. Klopp's? Yep, Dustin Klopp. Oh, God. So on Christmas Eve 2014 in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Stephanie Kilhefner tucked her children in bed, a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Later that night, around 10 p.m., there was an argument with her husband, Dustin Klopp. They had been married for three years. She was 34 and he was 36. Okay. But the children were theirs together. So they've been together a while. So he would punch her in the face, causing her to fall to the ground, slit her throat with a knife, and then repeatedly put an axe through her head. Okay. He later told police that she was still alive at the time he took the axe to her head. So she, the other stuff did not kill her. He also sexually assaulted her, but I am unclear if this occurred before or after death. Right. He then cleaned up the crime scene. Because there was a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. And he hid her body in the shed inside of a car bag. Just basically like a car cover, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the morning, I guess he just went to bed. I don't know what the fuck, Dustin. How the fuck do you sleep? What's wrong with these people? I I don't know. Um, so in the morning, he woke up his children and took them to celebrate Christmas at Grandma Grandma's house. Blah, 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 blah. This was his parents, yeah. Oh. So yeah. he's like, just like, oh, she stayed home. He's just like, la, la, la. Yeah. So he took him to his parents' house to celebrate Christmas. Klopp allegedly made a confession to his father, who then drove him to the state police department where he confessed to the murder. So he's like, yo, dad, I did something. That's <laughs> your face so bizarre. is so funny. Why? <laughs> I wish people could see your facial expressions. So luckily the children as far as we know, did not witness the murder. They were probably asleep. So they didn't see anything. Thank God for that. There were no prior criminal incidents of domestic violence between them, but that doesn't mean anything, really. It doesn't mean there wasn't. No, and I also read some things that cops had been called a few times, but once they arrived, neither Stephanie nor Dustin would admit to anything. So That's how it always goes. Yeah, exactly. So there's rumors that he was violent with her. Prior to this. Right. In October, Kill Hefner uh, did post a message on Facebook that said in part, quote, this is just a little reminder to all those out there who bully. What you say or do cannot be reversed. The damage it leaves is permanent, which is true. So Dustin's criminal history also included two guilty pleas to a DUI in 2007, along with a plea to resisting arrest in one case, a 1997 guilty plea to burg- burglary. Man, that's a hard word to say. I know. It is. I've been there. 
<laughs> and a simple assault and a 2001 guilty plea to burglary and resisting arrest. So Klopp was charged with criminal homicide, abuse of a corpse, and evidence tampering in the death of Stephanie. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it. what else is crazy? So like as I'm doing my research or whatever... It's really crazy when you find people's Facebook profiles who have passed away mm-hmm. or been murdered. Yep. And her Facebook profile is still up there. They don't go away. They don't. And it's it was kind of creepy, like, reading some of the things. Like, she posted something about, you know, does anybody else's husband or wife put away, like, a big box of eggs with only one egg left or whatever? And then you, like, read through the comments and it's like, you know... She's like, oh, he'll be in the backyard hiding from the kids as usual, like stuff like that. Oh. You know, and it's like, wow. It, you get like an insight to their life that you a didn't little bit. know was going to be. Yeah. That they didn't know was going to be significant. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, her Facebook profile is still there and it's kind of creepy. That's weird. So in 2015, Dustin Klopp hanged himself in his cell at Lancaster County Prison. Of course. So are we are in coward number three now? Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> There's a theme here I'm seeing. Yeah. Also, all three have been men who've killed their families. Yes. Um, also called family annihilators. That's oh. what they're called. Another yeah. name. Oh, speaking of which, I actually watched um, The American Murder Family Next Door. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, and it is so well done because it's not even like there's a a person sitting there saying, and then this happened and then that happened. I mean, you know, Bill Curtis would have been good in this in this, <laughs> in this thing. But but no, because there was so much footage of her going live on Facebook and do it in like oh, yeah. the cops body cams when they came to do their investigations. It's like there's nobody who was who was talking at this entire time. It was just footage of the whole thing going down. Wow. And another family annihilator. I highly recommend it. It's, it can be difficult to watch, but it was very well done. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. Okay. Now I want you to mentally go to 2011. Okay. And I also noticed that all of the murders that I've chosen have been in America. That might tell us something. I don't know. American family annihilators. I mean, I'm sure people in other countries kill their families, too. Yeah, but for some reason, not at Christmas, <laughs> or at least... Oh, well, Christmas is not a uniquely American holiday. No, no, it's not, so that's hmm. why I was wondering. But anyway, I mean, I tried to look everywhere. Huh. So this is the Yazdan Pina family. Okay. Okay. Christmas Day 2001 in Dallas, Texas, a family of six was enjoying Christmas morning and opening presents. Fatima Nazreen Ramati, who was 55, her daughter Nona, who was 19, and her son Ali, who was 14. Nazreen's sister, 58-year-old Zore Ramati, was also there with her husband, 59-year-old Mohammed Hossein Zore. And I'm not sure if I'm saying Zore. It could be Zorai, but I'm going to go with Zore. Um, and their daughter, Sarah, who was 22. Nazreen and her husband of 24 years, Aziz Yazanpino, who was 56, were in the midst of a divorce. I Mm. bet you can see what's fucking coming, can't you? Yeah. What I mean, what's our takeaway? Don't get divorced or don't get married. I'm not actually sure which one. Don't get married. I think it's don't get married, yeah. Um, Also, if you don't get divorced, then you're stuck with the fucker forever. Yeah, that's true. And he's a psychotic murderer. He just hasn't murdered anybody yet. That's right. 
Um, I guess Aziz also went by Bob. What? Yeah, I saw a bunch of articles with his name as Bob, but I'm going to call him Aziz. Some people with foreign names adopt like... Like Americanized names, Americanized yeah. Americanized names, yeah. But I'm going to call him Aziz for the for this podcast. Um, so Aziz Yazanpina married Nazarene Ramati in 1987. Their daughter, Nona, had just graduated from Colleyville Heritage High School that May, and their son, Ali, was a high school freshman. And by all accounts, they had great kids. Um, they were wonderful children. Like, she was, like, had big plans for college, and um, he was a great kid, got good grades. And also, by all accounts, their father truly loved them. Um, so I'm just putting that out there. So Aziz had been unemployed for 12 years, and during that time, Nazreen had been supporting the family. And I think that he was in real estate at some point. I'm not sure where in that 12 years he did mortgages or something. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, he had no job. How are okay. you unemployed for 12 years? I don't know. I might, he might have done some stuff in between there. Oh, okay. But I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Um, so they had actually foreclosed on their home the year prior, and Nazreen moved out with the children into an apartment that her brother had helped her um, financially get. Mm-hmm. Aziz stayed behind in this house, which I guess they hadn't kicked him out yet <laughs> um, because it had it no running water and no electricity. It does take a while. What yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So Aziz apparently had told a friend that he and his brother-in-law, Muhammad, would lie to their wives about trips they took in which they would get hotel rooms with sex workers. Cool. So, yeah. Stand-up guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Muhammad told his wife, Nazarene's sister, Zore, but he only told her what Aziz was doing. I don't think he really included the fact that he was doing this as oh, well. Oh, okay. And now this is all conjecture. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe Muhammad wasn't. I don't know. This is just conjecture. I wonder how he was affording the sex workers, but couldn't have any water. That's correct. Hasn't had a job in 12 years. That's a very good point. Probably can't afford food. Yeah. So anyway, like I said, Muhammad told his wife, and of course his wife is Nazarene's sister, and she's like, oh, hell no, and went and told Nazarene. Right. So this may have played a role in their separation. No shit. So Aziz did not like Nazarene's sister, Zoe, at all. He felt like she was interfering and was telling her things, which caused her to leave him. Well, okay. I yeah, but you were think... doing the actions that yeah, she was I talking about. But people don't, apparently some people don't think that way. And also, if you don't want shit to leak, don't tell your brother-in-law. Yeah. Or don't do it with your brother-in-law. I mean, I don't, I don't understand Whatever. the whole situation. Yeah. yeah. So Nazreen um, lived in this apartment and apparently Aziz had a key. Because he would often go visit with his son. And it just said visit his son. I'm not sure. Maybe his daughter at that point was an adult, so she could decide what she wanted to do, yeah. I guess. So Nazreen had also told her apartment manager that she feared Aziz. And she told a colleague that he was not taking the divorce well. Um. So why the fuck would you give him a key? I don't know. I think she was trying, like, you're the father of my children. Meet want- him at a Dairy Queen. Come pick him up outside of the house. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that he was also very controlling. Um, oh, yeah, that's it, true. It was just one of those that situations. That loves people forever. Yeah, it does. So Christmas morning. I mean, the fact that she even left him is a big step, I think. Right. Christmas morning, Aziz went to his wife's apartment in Grapevine. 
dressed as fucking Santa. What the fuck? Okay, here's the here is the takeaway from this. If you ever fucking see Santa walking around your neighborhood, you leave out the back door. Yeah. You ju- well, grab all your people. Or at least choke them out. Don't answer the door to anyone. <laughs> no. Choke who out? Santa? No, I don't yeah. even want to go near Santa. If you okay. see him on the sidewalk, tackle him and choke him out. Santa is deadly. He's coming for somebody. Santa is hiding some shit in the packages. Yeah, That's all I'm going to say. What is up with that? Yeah, don't do that. Is this the creepiest shit? Where are people getting this from? The Santa suit? No, like the idea. I don't know. Like maybe because they feel like if I come up in a Santa suit, it's disarming. Yeah, but can't you just come up as yourself? You're their dad. I, I, I don't weird. know. I think it throws people off maybe. I, or maybe I it's like a disguise. Yeah. I just don't understand how they're getting this idea. I don't understand. So anyway, he came up in his little Santa getup. And the family had just finished opening presents. So uh, he did. He was able to go in the apartment. He might have been invited in once he got there. Nobody really knows. But he was not invited to the actual get together. Right. And he was most likely very hurt and angry that he was not invited. Like, I mean, in some ways you might think, okay, Muhammad was doing these things with me and here he is hanging out with everyone having a grand time. Right. I can understand why he might be pissed. Um, Not to this extent, but I'm just saying, like, it is kind of weird. Like, what about Muhammad? Why is he just hanging out there? With... But I don't know if people really thought that he did anything. Yeah. So... Zara, uh, uh, Sarah, Zari, was texting with her boyfriend, the 22-year-old, yeah. um, about her disappointment that her uncle was there, dressed as a Santa Claus. So it's my thought belief that they had him come in. Like, okay, you're here, come in. So her final text to her boyfriend read, quote, now he wants to be all fatherly and win father of the year because he messed up before. So she was basically like, I'm not happy that he's here. She ain't wrong. She ain't wrong. 18 minutes after she sent that text... Police received a 911 call that initially sounded like silence, like there was nothing. At the time, no voices were audible to the dispatcher. But later, when the investigators used a different software system, they heard the words, help, help. And then I am shooting people were audible, muffled by the caller's labored breathing. Oh. Yeah. And they believe it was made by Aziz. Yeah. Also, why are you going to go in and shoot people and then call 911? I, I just, I don't understand the thought process of some of this at all. So police arrived within minutes after the 911 call where they found the bodies of all six victims. Oh, God. And disease. Two handguns were found among the wrapping paper and Christmas tree. One of the two weapons, a 9mm, was purchased in 1996 and registered to Aziz. The other rep- weapon was a 48 caliber. And it was very obvious that Aziz had systematically executed his family and his wife's family. The medical examiner's office said um, that his son, daughter, niece, and sister-in-law were shot multiple times in the head. His wife was shot once in the head and his brother-in-law shot multiple times in the head, chest and stomach. And can you just take one big fat fucking guess what Aziz did? Shot himself. He fucking shot himself. Yeah. He did. That's what you do. That's what he did. So there you go. Thanks, Another Aziz. family annihilator. I didn't even realize I'd picked some many family annihilator stories. I kind of thought that when you said you were going to do Christmas um, murders, that it was going to be families. 
because that's what people do on Christmas. And you were right, weren't you? They're with their families. Yeah. Well. Fuckers. Oh, my God. It just makes me sick. Okay. Was that four for four? Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at us. (laughs) The track record. I think we might break it in this next one, though. Are you ready? Oh, okay, good. So now. Please let somebody else kill the guy. Okay, wait. Was this 2011? Yeah, we're still in 2011. Oh, okay. So we're going to Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Are you ready? Come with me. Are you ready to go? Have you come? (laughs) (laughs) Have you come with me? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm in Jacksonville, Florida. (laughs) Okay, good. I'm a Panthers fan. Oh, Oh, okay, good. I'm wearing all blue. Oh, I see. See how this works? It's so easy. This is going to be the story of the murder of Michelle O'Dowd. 40-year-old Patty Michelle White was down on her luck when the aunt of her ex-boyfriend, Michelle O'Dowd, who was 67, offered for her to stay at her place. That's nice. Yes. I mean, this is like a fucking ex-girlfriend. I'd be like, why are you helping my ex? Like, stop. But apparently... Some families are like that. No, some families are like that. And Michelle O'Dowd was like that. She was a super sweet lady. And so she was like, hey, you're down on your luck. You can stay here. Whatever. So... She did this on and off a few times, I think, Patty did. So Patty would do odd jobs for Michelle to, er, like, earn her keep. And Michelle trusted her with the codes to her gated community, as well as with the PIN number to her debit card. So Patty could go get groceries and things like that. Michelle was described as a sweet lady who had a big heart and wanted to help people. And she was also very trusting. Her family called her Aunt Mickey, which I think is really cute. Yeah. So, also, she treated Patty like part of the family. She right. was not treating Obviously. her like, you're my nephew's ex. Like, she literally treated her like part of the family. Yeah. Um, at some point during this time when, when Patty was staying with Michelle, she ended up leaving and going back to South Carolina, which is where she was from. Mm-hmm. York, South Carolina. On December 2nd, 2011... Uh, Michelle's twin brother, Phil Axed, which is, that's a fucking awesome name. Phil, if you're listening to this, I really love your name. Phil Axed. Went to check on her at her house after she failed to show up for work. And I'm not sure what she did for work, but she didn't show up. Mm. The door was open and her house had been ransacked. And he pretty much knew when he was standing there, this is not good. I mean, she's in a gated community. So, I mean, it's a pretty nice, like, it's not just like someone off the street could wander in there. Right. You so know? it's just like random yeah. house. Um, chairs and tables were turned upside down. Uh, her car and her dog were still there, thankfully. Hmm. Um, but he knew, like I said, as soon as he walked in, he's like, something terrible has, has happened here. Yeah. So when he walked further into the house, he actually saw a foot sticking out of a big pile of Christmas gifts. Aye. Yeah. And buried under the gifts was his sister's body, her bloody face covered with a towel. She had been brutally beaten and strangled. Yikes. Yeah. So her debit card was stolen and was used to withdraw $1,000 at two bank ATMs in Florida. That's it? Yeah. $500 at one, $500 at the other. Okay. If you are going to perpetuate crimes and murder people, do it for more than $1,000 fucking dollars. Please. God. Do it for more than 10000 Yeah. At Actually, least make don't sure do they it. have like... <laughs> A million dollars. Like, make it, it worth it. It is so ridiculous. Come on. But can you guess who was captured on video at the two ATMs? The girl. Look. Look at that. 
it's Patty White. Yeah. <laughs> she was a That's greedy. That's so sad. Yeah. No, she was a greedy bitch. She came back from South Carolina to murder and rob the one person who had actually helped her. Can you believe that? That's terrible. It is horrific. As my mom would say, you're going to hell for that. You're going to hell for that. Yeah. So police found Patty White in South Carolina riding in a car with her mother, and she confessed once she was taken into custody. Like, you just go back to South Carolina and start driving around in a car, and you don't think that you're... And all you have is $1,000 in your pocket? Also, um, Patty, hello, you do realize the ATMs have fucking video cameras, right? (laughs) Was she just, like, so dumb? I mean, I just don't even understand it. I can see now why the nephew broke up with her. Yeah. Just saying. Anyway, during the murder, neighbors heard someone screaming and wailing, and not one person called the police. What the heck? Guys, if you hear someone screaming, just call somebody. Yeah. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Especially in, like, was it, like, one of those over 55 communities? I don't know, but it could have been. That's kind of what I was thinking when you said gated. Yeah, it might have been. I'm not sure. Like, (sighs) what are those stupid... um, People die in those places all the time. What are those stupid... uh, uh, stretch pants that people wear. Lulu Mon, Lulu Lemon. Yeah. L- okay. Remember the Lulu Lemon murder? No. Okay. Well, that's a whole other. Oh, didn't it happen in the factory? No, it happened in the store, but it was in a mall. What? But it's the okay. Yeah, that's. There's a lot of podcasts on the Lulu Lemon. If you actually Morbid did a great one, you can go listen to it. I loved it. I think it was a two parter that they did. Go listen to it. But one of the things that happened in there is that the people in the next. Uh, store over which i think was like an apple store or something like that they heard someone screaming yeah like call L- like somebody for minutes and did nothing called nobody i mean even if the cops show up and it's wrong and Just everybody's it, fine dudes. please dudes it's fine <laughs> they uh, will show up <sighs> and then they'll just go okay everything's fine and then leave I know. Anyway, I just want to say that. But anyway, that always stood out to me that people were just, oh, we just heard screaming, but we just thought two oh, girls yeah, we were fighting. Was going on. Guess what? Two girls were fighting and one was dying. Like, can you yeah. just please call someone? Yeah. Um, so Michelle's brother, Phil, said there's nothing worse than when you walk inside and find your own sister brutally murdered over a stupid debit card. I mean. Which is really what it was. It was a stupid debit card. Yeah. And hiding her under her pre- under presence. Like what? You have no soul. No, because how easy it would just be walking to walk for her to walk in and just say, hey, if you don't give me a thousand bucks, I'm going to beat your head in. And she goes, OK, here's a thousand bucks. And not only that, but I kind of feel like Michelle O'Dowd was the kind of person that would have just given her the thousand. Yeah, she just said, I need a thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean, and she let her live there. Maybe it came to a point where Michelle was like, I'm sorry, I'm not helping you anymore. Maybe. I don't know, but I just think the whole thing. So, so it, Patty Smith was sentenced to 45 years in prison on October 14th, Good. 2013. Good. I don't know. 45 years doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, 45, I guess. She'll be dead by then. Yeah. Because what was she, 45 or something? She was 40. Yeah. She'd be dead. No, that's good. And even though she only got 45 years, she made a parole. Yeah. That's true. I mean, it depends on the circumstances. But that just case. made me so sad. Yeah. That story was a bad one. At least right. she didn't kill herself. That's why we broke our record. No justice in it for anybody. <laughs> we, left our, we broke our record. The next one he doesn't either. Okay, good. Okay. Now it's time to travel back in time to 1992. Wow. Are you ready? Yeah. We're- ready, 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 ready. <laughs> okay, you're ready. Yeah. Okay, so we've traveled back to Christmas Eve, 1992 in Dayton, Ohio. Okay. Again. Ohio. Yeah. Middle America. So we're going to talk about... 
Marvelous Keen, which I'm sorry, he's a shitbag, but that's such a great name. Mar- Wait, that's his real name? His name is Marvelous Keen. Okay. It's kind of a great name. Yeah. But he is not a great person. No. Well, they didn't know that when he was an infant. That's true. So Marvelous Keen was born in 1973 and was 19 in 1992. As was I. He was my age. Oh. It's not exciting. <laughs> um, in December 1992... He was hanging out with a group of people, including several juveniles. So remember, he's 19. He's basically an adult. Right. Who at various times stayed at an apartment at 159 Yuma Avenue in Dayton, Ohio. So apparently this was some dude's, you know, apartment that all these kids would stay at sometimes. I don't understand this, but that's where they all hung out. Yeah. I mean... It was a place. Yeah. Their place. Not their place, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Place to escape. Yes. So this group included Laura Taylor, who was 16, Demarcus Smith, who was 17, Nicholas Woodson. I don't have his age here. He was probably the same. Around the same. Heather N. Matthews. You're like Nicholas Woodson, who was 45. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, I think he was a teenager also. Uh, Heather Matthews, who was 20, Wendy Cotrill, or Cotrill, who was 16, and Marvin Washington, who was 18. And then there was also Jeffrey Wright, who was 19. So Marvelous was the self-proclaimed leader of their little gang, which he called the Downtown Posse. hey Downtown Posse! <laughs> yeah, yo hey, We're out here! We out here in we Downtown heel. Posse. So that name is stupid as fuck. <laughs> and I'm sorry. These kids really need some help. You're not a posse. It's not the Wild West. No. It's 19-fucking-92. I'm going to need you to spend a couple of dollars on a marketing campaign <laughs> and find out a better name for yourself. Yes. And I, we're really tired of these terrible gang names. And I realize this is 1992 and you didn't have the internet at your fingertips. But you know what? If you're going to put your all into something, treat it like a business. Yeah, but just posse. Be better. You can be downtown, but don't be a posse. Downtown so, posse sounds like something from like 1975, <laughs> like a dance troupe. <laughs> From 1975. Yeah, yeah. And everybody featuring the downtown downtown posse. (laughs) Remember those old, did you ever see those old 70s where they would have like the disco music and then they'd all stand in a line and then the people at the end would dance down and then the next people would dance down. That's what it is. That's downtown posse. American Bandstand? Is that what it was called? That and then there's also the Soul Train. That, I loved all of it. I loved all of it. And you probably don't remember Solid Gold, but I strived to be a Solid Gold dancer when I grew up. Wow. That, yeah, now you look at him and you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was watching that. But I was like six, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's my destiny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So on December 24th, 1992, Marvelous and Laura Taylor asked Heather Matthews to help them rob Joseph Wilkerson, who was an acquaintance of Laura's. Okay. So that's your friend. That's your friend. Laura told Heather that she had arranged for the three of them to go to Wilkerson's house on the pretext of having an orgy. Isn't that exciting? Every man who ever fell for that. Guess what, guys? Any girl... <laughs> I'm just I'm just putting this out here for you. Any girl, couple of girls, whoever girls, if they say they want an orgy, they're lying. Yeah. They probably want to rob you. They're going to rob you. Yeah. So <laughs> Don't fall for it. it. Something's up. Something's yeah. hinky up in Hinkyville. They're like, you know what sounds good? An orgy. Yeah, no, no girl wants an orgy. And we thought we'd call you to give you the first opportunity. Yeah, no, it ain't happening. So Heather agreed to go because, you know, totally like what else? What a fun Christmas Eve activity. 
That's weird. Do you want to go rob someone but like act like it's an orgy? That's weird. I think we should totally do Where's this. your family? I don't know. Not in that apartment, apparently. Clearly. Not keeping an eye on you on Christmas Eve. No. So Marvelous, Laura, and Heather walked to Joseph's house. And after having some drinks, Joseph and Laura go into the bedroom. And Marvelous and, and um, Heather follow them. Okay. Okay, that's weird. Well, they're having an orgy. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Come on, get with it. <laughs> I was thinking a threesome, but an orgy is No, like a this lot is a people. foursome, I guess. I don't know when it, it like graduates to an orgy. Is it after a threesome? I have no clue. There's not a thing called a quatorsum, quatrosum, quatro. I think that's just <laughs> I don't know two couples having sex next to each other. I don't really want to think about okay. this. Um, so yeah, so they're all in the room. Joseph starts to take his clothes off, and the girls start to do the same but it says they pretended i'm just wondering how you pretend to take off your clothing like you just like pantomiming but he would not notice that you're taking not taking off your clothing your buttons are really slow like you're just i don't know what the you're taking your socks off yeah who knows anyway marvelous began to remove his own pants but then pulled them back up and drew a gun because he's like ha ha you're not getting an orgy joseph Marvelous, keep your pants on. Marvelous, you are not marvelous. And every time I hear that name, I just think of Billy Crystal. Do you remember that? You look marvelous. Simply marvelous. I mean, I I've heard that before. I, I don't sound know. anything like Billy Crystal, but uh, one of the one of the one of the best, you know, comedians ever in the history of ever. I wouldn't expect you to sound like Billy Crystal. No, he's so great. And Steve Martin. I love them both. Okay. Uh, I digress. We had a gun, Marvelous was holding it. Okay, you ready? Yeah. He put his pants back on. He drew his gun. He ordered Joseph onto the bed and Laura and Heather tied his hands to the bed. And so he watched Joseph. Marvelous did. And the girls went through the house looking for things to steal. Okay. You want to know what they took? A microwave oven. What the fuck? A TV. A cordless phone. Because, you know, cordless phones back in the 90s were the shit. A curling iron and a blow dryer. I hate these people. I hate them. You will hate them more as time goes by. They took a microwave. Oh, yeah. I already told you that. They took their their shit and they loaded it into his Buick. Joseph's Buick. So, so they're, they're stealing his, his car. Well, they too. walked to his house. Yeah. So they so. had to steal his car. Um, Joseph ended up telling Marvelous that he kept a 32 caliber caliber Derringer in the garage. And Marvelous went to get it and bring it back to the bedroom. Then he shot Joseph in the chest with his own gun. After covering him with blankets to muffle the noise. Wait, why would you tell the guy that has a gun held to you that you have a gun in the garage? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, he already had. Maybe he was asking him, what else do you have? And he's like, hey, I have this gun. You can have that. Just get out. Like, who knows what he was saying? You know, I mean, he was probably. Well, because then then the evidence is fucked up because it's your own gun. Yeah. Good point. I don't think he was thinking that, though. I think he would probably was very upset. Yeah, I bet. Um, So, yeah, he got shot. Heather and Laura heard heard in my notes i says heard the shit this is the shit (laughs) but they heard the shot and they came back in the bedroom to see joseph's feet shaking after he was shot laura took the gun and tried to shoot joseph again but the gun wouldn't fire a second time so she took marvelous's gun and shot joseph in the head and then he stopped shaking at this point marvelous tells the girls not to tell other posse members wendy cotrill cotrill i feel like it's cotrill i'm gonna say cotrill um, Wendy Cottrell and Marvin Washington about what they had done because they thought those two specifically for some reason might snitch about it and well, tell the cops. Maybe they were 
Maybe they would. Maybe they would have. So all three of these complete trash balls left Joseph dead, picked up this other trash ball, their friend Demarcus Smith, and they just went about their evening walking around town carrying these guns. Like, what else are you going to do on Christmas fucking Eve? I don't know. Microwave something? They just got a microwave oven. They could have microwaved something. I Like their heads? That would have been nice. Oh, my God. So they're just walking around, and they see Danita Goulet at a payphone. Remember those? <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> Yeah, this is not anyone they knew. This was just a oh, random. random lady. This is just a random. She was at a payphone calling someone. Okay. I would think. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Smith and Keen drew their guns, told Danita to take her shoes off, and then basically said, Merry Christmas, bitch, and started shooting and shot her nine times. Why? Why would you make her take her shoes off? Yeah. And that was Laura and fucking Marvelous. What the fuck? But they had her take her shoes off because you know what they stole from her? Her shoes and her jacket. Yep. That's all. That's all they got were her shoes and her jacket. What are you going to do with her shoes? Who knows? So later that night, DeMarcus shot Heather's boyfriend, Jeffrey Wright, four times while he was standing outside of this apartment that they all like to stay at. What? Yeah. Shot her boyfriend. On Christmas Day, they went back to Joseph's house and decided to steal more shit. They also took his other car, which was a Pontiac. And they literally partied in this house for like two days while this poor man was lying dead on his bed. That's so weird. Can you believe that? With clothes on top of him. They just piled clothes on top of him. That's disgusting. So later that morning, they robbed and murdered Laura's former boyfriend, Richard Maddox, who was 19. He was shot in the head while driving his car in Benton Avenue. So there's like literally no reason that they're even murdering these people now. There's no reason. And the takeaway from this is do not. It was a bad idea to date these girls, apparently. Apparently. Because you are going to end up dead. Yeah. Right. They also that night. This was Christmas night. They Mm -hmm. lurked near an ATM on Salem Avenue with the intent to attack whoever came up to get any money. Oh, cool. But luckily nobody came. Good. Yeah, they were just going to attack someone on Christmas Day. Fuckers. Can you believe that? Yeah. Where are your families? Uh, I actually don't know the answer to that. (laughs) But it would be. I mean, why why would a 16-year-old be gone for multiple days without anyone saying anything? On Christmas. Yeah, it just seems very odd to me. So on the morning of the 26th, they went to a gas station and stole a woman's car at gunpoint. Then they went to this place called the Shortstop Mini Mart. Sarah Abraham, whose family owned the store, was working behind the cash register. Marvelous ordered her at gunpoint to open it, and which she did, and she gave him $40, which was literally all she had in the cash register. Right. She gave him everything that she had, and he shot her in the face and head anyway. Sarah Abraham would die several days later. That's from terrible. Her, from her wounds. Demarcus also shot at two other people who were in the store, Jones Pettis, who was a customer, wounding him, and Edward Thompson. Both of those people survived and testified against them later. These people are crazy. Yeah. So the next line in my in my notes says, they were literally bonkers bananas at yeah. this point. And they were bonkers bananas. Um, Laura and Heather wanted to jump Wendy Cottrell. You know, we were talked about earlier. They thought yeah. the ones that would snitch. Um, because 
as I said, they thought she would snitch on them. And Marvelous wanted to, uh, to quote, unload a clip in Marvin Washington's ass. Okay. They were just high on this bullshit that they were doing. Were they on drugs? I don't know. They were high on murder. Yeah. But I don't, I'm not sure if they were on drugs or not. I actually don't, I didn't see anything about drugs. I don't understand how like people like that even link up together. That's what I mean. Remember I said that before. Like how do all these weirdos come together? Yeah. With the, um, Birkin hair. Yes. Like how did you fucking creeps find each other? Right. I mean, it's very odd. And how are you all on the same like wavelength? Same thoughts that somebody is not like, Hey, could let's just stop shooting people. Yeah. Like, let's just relax. No, there's no relaxing with these, with the, with the downtown posse. Downtown posse, the downtown posse is going Because it's like one thing if you're like making a name for yourself, I guess. I just don't understand their motivation. They're not getting anything really out of it. No, they're it's not. hardly any money. I agree. A couple cars. The excitement. That's what I mean. I think they're high yes. on the excitement. Yeah. So they drove to 159 Yuma their little apartment place and picked up Washington and Cottrell and Nicholas Woodson. But for some reason they dropped Woodson off at his house. They didn't have a problem with him, but they had a problem with Cottrell and Washington. Right. So they drove out to this gravel pit area and at the gravel pit, DeMarcus ordered Marvin out of the car and marvelous dragged Wendy out. They both swore that they had not said anything or gone to the police, but marvelous and DeMarcus pretty much gave zero fucks and forced them at gunpoint to walk behind a pile of gravel. Then they shot them and left them there behind this pile. Hmm. So your little posse, you've actually shot three members of your posse. Right. One was Heather's ex-boyfriend who was part of the posse. And now these two. Yeah. So what kind of posse is this? It's bullshit posse. (sighs) I mean, they eat their own. Yes. Usually. Yeah. So finally, on December 26th, so this is three from 24th to the 26th, this whole time. I'm like, do you people sleep? It was like, what are you doing this whole time? That's why I feel like they were on drugs. It was, it, it's crazy. Yeah. So on the 26th, a Dayton police sergeant spots a black Dodge shadow used by some of the assailants, these dumbasses, at <laughs> 725 Cumler Avenue. Police arrest four people in the car and confiscate several weapons. So they did get the four idiots. Laura Taylor and DeMarcus Smith were juveniles at the time of the killings and thus ineligible for the death penalty. God damn it. Yep. Heather Matthews was indicted on two capital murder charges, but was granted a plea agreement in exchange for her testimony against Marvelous Keene and Laura Taylor. So, yeah. Smith, Taylor, and Matthews all are serving prison sentences in excess of 100 years. So, good. there's that. Marvelous was executed by lethal injection at 10.36 a.m. on Tuesday, July 21st, 2009 at the Southern Ohio Correctional Facility in Lucasville. His last meal was a porterhouse steak with A1 sauce. I would never have A1 sauce on my steak. No, that's a tragedy. It's already just so telling of your personality. Yeah. A pound of jumbo fried shrimp with cocktail sauce. French fries and onion rings with ketchup, dinner rolls and butter, two plums, a mango, a pound of seedless white grapes, German chocolate cake, two bottles of Pepsi, and two bottles of A&W cream soda. That's a lot. That's a lot, a lot. Yeah. His final words? I have no words. Oh, cool. Well, neither do I, Marvelous. Yeah. Neither do I. It's very thoughtful of you. 
marvelous. Yeah. So there's actually a book called The Christmas Killings, 40 Hours to Justice, and it includes interviews with the homicide detectives on this case. Um, Laura Taylor, the 16-year-old, her insolence in the face of serious charges shocked the detectives working on this case. Wade Lawson, one of the detectives, said, quote, I don't think I've ever met what I would call a hardened person at 16 years old. A cold-hearted girl. She was so hard. She didn't even go to the restroom or ask to go to the restroom. She urinated in the interview room chair she was sitting in. I hope I never run into another person like her. What a creep. What a creep. And that concludes part one of the 12 Murders of Christmas. (sighs) That was rough. I'm sorry. It's a lot, isn't it? I think we're going to need to make two drinks for the part two. But what... (laughs) You're just, so you're making three drinks so total. I can make it, get it through it. But honestly, I started thinking about like, man, what's my last meal going to be? Oh, that's hmm. rough. I definitely think I would have a burger of some sort. And and uh, I really love French fries and I really love onion rings. And I couldn't good. choose. That sounds good. But it's hard. But I also love filet. And I also... <laughs> That's why you chose so much. Because what are you supposed to choose? And you can choose whatever you want, you know. Yeah, you could just have one taste of everything. Yeah. Though, you know, Eileen Warnos, you know, the, the female serial killer. Remember her? No. They made a movie about her with, uh, um, God, what's her name? It's called Monster. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking Shirley, about. Charlize Theron. That's it. Yeah. She, for her last meal, she just wanted, I think, uh, she just wanted a drink. I can't remember if it was coffee or just water, but she didn't have food. Huh. I'd be like, bring me all the food. I mean, <laughs> if your appetite's not great, you know you're going to. Yeah, I don't know. Could you really eat knowing that you're going to die? Die. I don't know. I've never been sentenced to death before, but. You haven't? I, no. I can't imagine. But what would your last meal be? Oh, what are my favorite things? Yeah. Just tell me a few of your favorite things. I would love, obviously, a hot espresso. Oh, Yeah. Um, probably a bowl of Fruit Loops with real milk. Oh, I do love me some Fruit Loops. Um, what else? I'm down with the burger idea. Yeah, me too. Shake shot. With like some spicy mustard on it. No, I don't want mustard on my burger. Oh, so good. And french fries. But lots um, of cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a nice cold beer. Yeah, there's so many things I like. This is why it would be really hard yeah. for me. But now Maybe like burger. barbecue. Oh, <laughs> See, so we can good. just go on forever. I think I'm just hungry. Can I have three last meals, please? Yeah. <laughs> I'll have all the last meals, please. Well, that was part one. And part two, we will have six more Christmas murders. I'm excited and to hear it. as I said, there is no shortage of Christmas murders. That's sad. It's actually quite sad. So lock your doors this Christmas, people. I want you to turn the lights off and pretend like you're not home. Yeah. I want you to all to lock the doors. If you see any Santas, especially now during COVID time, there should be no Santas. No. Because there, I mean, there should be no mall Santas. There should be, if you see any Santas, I want you to get the fuck out of there. Telling you. Yeah. You heard it here first. We just saved your lives. Boom. Have a baseball bat by your front door. (laughs) Something. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. You want to tell them where to find us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting there chilling out. Where you can find <laughs> us. Um, so if you have any ideas for future 
episodes that you like to hear about, email us at killerspiritspod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at killerspirits. We're on Instagram at killerspiritspod, which is where you can find all of our cocktail pictures and some pictures of the crime itself and people involved and scenes and stuff like that. Correct. Um, We're also on Patreon at patreon.com backslash killerspirits if you'd like to support us. Yay. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.